What can you do to squeeze more productivity out of less work? That's the question I'm asking John Briggs today as he returns to the Compete Everyday podcast and we discuss his brand new book, The 3.3 Rule. My name is Jake Thompson, your Chief Encouragement Officer, and this is the Compete Everyday Podcast, a show designed to encourage and equip you with the tools to build a winning mindset so you can build your winning life. Text PODCAST to 972-945-9113 to join our Morning Motivation Club and visit CompeteEveryday.com for past podcast episodes and to learn more about our resources and gear for ambitious people who are ready to start winning. Welcome to the show. Good morning, competitor. Jake here, your chief encouragement officer, and I want to welcome you back or welcome you to the Compete Everyday Podcast. John has been a guest on the show before. We've talked shops. He is an accountant by nature. He loves numbers, but really became passionate about working less and producing more. You think about in that industry, especially like Q1, January through like start of Q2, April, it's like all hands on deck, all you got every single day. And he was seeing this idea of like burning himself out and thought there's got to be a better way. And so he started researching time management, but more than time management, focus management, because our focus is always under attack and it's always on something. Now, whether that something is something productive or unproductive remains to be up in our control. And so John looked through all the research, studied it and found a formula that we can implement to get more done and keep our focus sharp on what matters most. Be sure to click the link in the show notes below to grab John's new book, to take the assessment if you're a small business owner on what you can do and maybe where there's some opportunities to improve that workflow. But now, as we get ready to dive into today's show, I just want to give you a little bit of encouragement. We are halfway through the month of February. We are halfway through the February challenge. I hope you have your thank you emails done, your gratitude cards sent. I hope you are cranking through your third or fourth book of the year. But most of all, I hope you're doing the thing that most people won't do, which is intentionally showing up every single day looking for opportunities to get better. It's easy to go through the motions. It's easy to take days off and just kind of flow with everything because you don't feel good or you're not motivated or it's cold outside, it's rainy, it's whatever. But what's not common is showing up every day and choosing to have an optimistic attitude, choosing to give your best efforts on the days you don't feel your best, choosing to lay one Lego block size movement forward in your progress to get your goal. Because what you'll find is day after day after day, you may not feel like you're moving much, but over time, you 1000% will be able to see the evidence of the growth you've had. In fact, I'm always drawn back to the Jacob Reese quote, the Stonecutter's Credo. And what Jacob Reese says is simply this, when nothing seems to help, I go and look at a stonecutter hammering away at his rock, perhaps a hundred times without as much as a crack showing in it. Yet at the hundred and first blow, it will split in two. And I know it was not that blow that did it, but all that had gone before. 
See, it's not the one last move, but every one we do before it. And so today, what are you doing to pound your stone? Today, what are you doing to make progress on your goals? Today, what are you doing to put yourself in a position to earn the results that everyone wants, but not everyone is willing to work for? Separate yourself today, competitor, by moving forward. Now, let's get into today's brand new episode. And welcome back, John Briggs. John, welcome back to the Compete Everyday Podcast. How are you? Good. Thanks for having me, Jake. You bet. We got to uh, a jam recently on your podcast where you were so gracious to have me on as a guest and, and looking forward to today's conversation. Uh, really, as we talk about this 3.3 role that you have and, and this whole idea of, of productivity and, and really working more without burning out, or I would say achieving more, not working more, achieving more, yeah. uh, while working less and less time. So, all right, tell me, did, did you burn yourself out? What was your 80 hour work week looking like? Like, tell me where kind of the, the impetus of this came from. And then you started looking at some different research and stuff to build in this new book that I know you're passionate about sharing. So take me to your story in it. Yeah, so uh, I am a CPA. And so the path that all CPAs are taught is, hey, by the way, working 55 hours a week is normal. And by the way, if you want to get promoted, you're looking at 70 to 80 hours a week, and everyone wants to be promoted. So yep. and they start brainwashing you in universe, like in college, the professors like it, just so you know, you're gonna do this, it's going to be totally worth it. Um, even though the stats show 68% of accountants leave the industry within five years. I mean, right now we have a massive decline in people interested in becoming accountants. So it was kind of my experience on the accounting side. And, and I'm like, dude, I don't, I don't want to do this. Um, and if I'm creating a company, I don't want to have to create a company. I don't want to create a company that also creates this kind of world of zombies. Um, so I create, I designed my firm to not do that. The last three years, we've averaged 42.6 hours a week. And while I don't consider myself a professional author, I felt compelled to write this book. It initially started with the idea of, I just wish accounting firms would change. And then I, as I started sharing the idea, people are like, well, I'm an attorney. This applies to law firms. This, I'm an engineer. I'm a programmer. I'm an entrepreneur. Like basically we, you know, even as entrepreneurs and small business owners, we kind of tend to accept that, hey, look, the solution to some of my problems or all my problems is just to put more hours in. And we eventually lead to burnout. And I I think, I, I mean, the 3.3 rule with the science that we can talk about allows people to get more done, which gives us longevity. So now all of a sudden we don't have to burn ourselves out, but we can still accomplish what we want to. So uh, let's talk about that for a minute because you start talking tax and accounting and all of that fun stuff that non-numbers people like me laugh. Like I know what spring season looks like having worked with my bookkeeper and accountant for years. Like I know what certain times of the year look like. So how do you achieve this knowing that, Hey, you have busy seasons. And I say that cause we have, we have listeners heavily in the retail space and Q4 like, man, I love the idea of it, but like, there's no practical way to implement it. So talk to me about your kind of seasons throughout the year, knowing that. Yeah. So January 15th, April 15th is 
crazy. And like right now, as we're recording this, we are in what I would consider the worst two weeks of the tax season because everyone's got their documents. And so the percentage of our clients who are go-getters like flooded, right? 250 to 500 new tax returns are started every day right now in our firm. Um, and so part of it is understanding financials. Like I love that stuff. Yep. I love profitability. Um, and we created a model the way we charge our clients so that we can afford to do this. But a lot of like, if I'm looking at just accounting firms, they have high margins in net income. Like Deloitte, these guys are multi-billion dollar companies. There's plenty of money to hire more people. And so like spread it out over all the shareholders. They're not going to take home that much less. Like I'm a huge fan of the capitalism. I'm not like, I love capitalism. I do think there's a point though, that we need to look at how are we treating our team? And if I have that much money left over, just hire more people instead of asking your current team to slave away. Now, if I have smaller margins now I got to go back, I got to look at how do I get better margins so that I can afford to not have my team like be slave to some deadline Q4 retail or in our case, government filing deadlines. Yeah. Uh, as, as you can hear my, my dogs are deciding to join in on our conversation today. For those listening in the background, that is that is sugar barking at Lord knows who. Uh, John, you you bring up a really good point, right? You work a lot. You small business owners. We talk larger companies. The idea of bringing someone on is is terrifying for a lot of people, right? Because you're like, well, I know I have this busy season, but then after that, things slow down again, and I don't know what to do at that point. When you think about your own journey, at which points were you like, hey, I need to add a person in or we have the cash flow to add someone in to where you started thinking strategically about adding to your team? Well, two two scenarios come to mind. The first one was my very first hire, Heather. Uh, I didn't know I could afford if I could afford her. I also didn't necessarily know what I wanted her to do. I just knew that I personally was drowning and it just seemed like I needed somebody else. And we, I hired a recruiting company to even help me find her. Cause I'm like, I don't even know how to hire somebody. So I hire a recruiting company. We hire her and she starts and she's like, what would you like me to do? And I respond to her with another question, like check my email. Like, I don't know. I was hoping you'd be smart enough to figure it out. And luckily she was awesome. She stayed with us until like for eight years until she had her first baby and she's decided to be a stay-at-home mom. She still does some part-time stuff, but I love Heather. And it was so, I'm, I lucked out that that was my first hire, someone at her skill level and competency. And now fast forward, I've hired a bunch of people, gone, I've learned things. And now I know, or us personally, it's like anytime my firm has another 350 new clients, I need another professional. And so I just have metrics now. It's like 350 come in. I know that there's enough revenue to cover the cost of this new team member. And I know that I need new admins. And then the other stuff that I don't know, as we're adding layers of management, it's like, when do I add those layers in? I do have to look at my margin and say, okay, I have enough margin now. And I think this person's gonna add. So it's like, I reverse engineer how they're going to add into the company by hiring them. And then I know when I can pull the trigger, but so there's kind of really the two ends of the spectrum, but I had no idea. And now I feel like I'm pretty dialed in. 
That's awesome. I still feel like I'm somewhere in the middle, but my first hire very much relate to that a thousand percent, uh, which is why I was chuckling with it. Okay. Let's, let's jump back to this three, 3.3. The science behind this workflow and structure, there's a bunch of different ways of like how to be more productive, right? The bro science today is you got to start in cold plunge. You got to do this for 20 minutes, this for 20 minutes, this for like, that's kind of the ongoing joke right now. And I say that as someone like I love, I love cryo, uh, but like, that's not part of this equation to get you to work better throughout the day. What you're talking about is, is focused management, right? More than time management. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so one of the foundational elements of the science comes from a study by a guy named Alejandro Yedes out of the University of Illinois Champaign. And at the time, the, the fad that scientists were trying to figure out is, what is the maximum length of attention span? I want to be the first one to discover how long can humans actually like have that attention span? And he thought about that and he, he said to himself, I think we're asking the wrong question. Like, if I think about it, my attention is always on something. If I'm daydreaming, I'm paying attention to my daydream. I just might not be focused on what I should be focused on, but my attention is on something. So it's not attention span. We all have the same amount of attention span. If you're awake, you're, you have attention span. So he's like, okay, so what's the next thing? Well, he started looking at studies related to physical stimulus. And over a constant physical stimulus, our body will neutralize that. So if we think about the clothes that we're wearing, we put them on this morning because of the weight of it on our body, our brain stopped registering like, hey, you're actually wearing clothes. But now that we're talking about it, people can feel the weight of their shirt a little bit. If you wiggle, you kind of feel the, the friction. Uh, but our brain neutralized that. I mean, the study showed if you stare at an image long enough, it'll disappear from your vision, even though it's still physically present. So he's, he's putting these two together and he says, I wonder if the same applies to the way we mentally approach things. If I have stimulus in my brain, will my brain neutralize that stimulus and no longer register it? So he did a study and sure enough found out that the people who performed the best had a reset of some sort that took that constant stimulus and broke it up. Now, I'm not talking about multitasking and switch tasking. It It's separate things. And unfortunately for those arguments, this science actually doesn't help their cases because it kind of says switch tasking is important to do. Um, but so, yeah, he, he found out that by forcing some sort of interruption, or in this case, I'm saying break, you allow your brain to reset. Uh, and so there's more science to it, but the 3.3 rule states the most efficient workday is to work up to three hours, followed by a 30% recovery period. So work up to three hours. That could be 30 minutes, could be an hour, could be two, could be three, right? And however long I worked, I'm going to take 30% of that time, and then I'm going to take a break. So you, I mean, so the idea is like you get in, you start at nine, at 12, you're taking an hour lunch break. That's right. Right back again. It sounds like it fits into kind of the normal work day, but there's so many different things that obviously factor factor into that, right? Task switching, emails, meetings, things of, of that nature that move us one way to another throughout different points. You mentioned kind of the task switching in there. 
So when you talk about like kind of this up to three hours, how do you tend to break it up for like deep work versus responsive work? And have you seen something to where it's like, hey, this is better for deep work. And then let's talk that reset, because I'm curious, a couple of the things that have to be part of the reset process. Yeah. So um, Cal Newport wrote a book called Deep Work. I love it. Um, I feel like my book picks up where his left off. I don't want to take anything away from his, but I felt like there needed to be some stuff added to it because he talks about really he categorizes work as either deep work or shallow frenetic work. And in his argument, obviously, we're more productive if we're in deep work. And I'm not I'm not arguing that element. Um, The challenge is, is that as an entrepreneur in any small business, there are job responsibilities and tasks that have to get done that will always by default be frenetic and shallow work. Yep. You can't avoid it. And so I don't want to like say, look, your, your company sucks because you have frenetic and shallow work. No, it, like it's just, it is what it is. So how do we approach that with the 3.3 rule? It really depends on our individual personalities. It's kind of like we all have different fingerprints. The way we apply the science is going to be slightly different. So for me, for example, it's really easy for me to do deep work. If you give me financials and say, hey, can you forecast some stuff out? I freaking love that stuff. Give me a Google sheet or Excel file. Like I will zone out, not zone out, but like I will get in the groove, right? And I can go a full three hours and be super productive. Uh, You asked me to get on the phone and like just talk to a bunch of people and have a bunch of conversations. I'm an introvert. And so that's going to wear me out real fast. And in that case, I'm probably going to like, let me work 30 minutes and then take five minutes off and work 30 minutes versus, yeah, I can work the full three hours. So it does depend on the tasks that we are uh, doing and our personal preference in those tasks, I think, helps us. But to apply the rule the most efficient way, it does take self-awareness and honesty on our part for me to say like, look, I just don't enjoy that work. I'm going to need a little bit more frequent and shorter breaks to get through that work. Okay. So let's, let's talk about that reset and recovery period. What is kind of required to have that reset? You get through that first work session. Like, is it, Hey, you got to do something physical. You've got to look at something else. Kind of what are the, some of the components of that to have a more effective reset? Yeah. So um, I'll give you a Cal Newport quote and then I'll talk about that. He, in his book, he said, it's not that we need a break from distraction. We actually need to take a break from focus. And so that's the underlying principle of the break period. It has to be a break from being focused. Now, let me start with some of the things that are for sure not to do's. Um, Social media, scrolling through TikTok, YouTube shorts, anything that has been triggered, that has been perfected by these companies to keep you addicted and to keep you on those things <laughs> yep. is stimulating your brain in a way that doesn't actually allow your brain to reset that supports the science that we need. Um, so that's so to your point on that, the, hey, I had a really long day. Uh, I'm mentally, I'm just exhausted. The worst thing we can do is just the mindless scroll at that point. If we're looking to reset our brain to go back to focus work, yeah, that's that's no good. No bueno. Uh, and like, so the games like Candy Crush or even the Tetris things. And I had a, I just presented this to my, this concept to my team today about the break stuff. Like even like 
uh, the those apps where you do word games or Sudoku and things like that, like you're stimulating your brain in a way that doesn't actually let it recover from the focus you just had it doing. Uh, and so we want to avoid that. If like reading news media outlets, look, all those things are designed to trigger an emotion. They're purposely trying to polarize people because it yep. gives them more views. Those things are not good. Now, that being said, um, so the good things like taking a nap is awesome. It's my actually favorite one to do. <laughs> Just a quick little nap. I was about to so say, nice. what's the what's the time period though? Yeah, I can take a 10 minute nap and be completely recovered. It's awesome. Okay. Um, took me years of training to do that, but I love it. Creative things that uh, for most people, they don't have jobs that are considered creative, like I'm painting and whatever. So like drawing, writing, coloring, those things are great. Going for a walk, exercising, um, journaling, just talking to someone about each other's life. That's awesome. Taking a lunch break, not working because studies also support that those who work try to work during lunch are less productive than those who take a true lunch break. Um, yeah, those are, those are the first ones I'm pretty guilty mind. of. Yeah, I, I, I'm, yes. Every week I still struggle with that. like, I gotta get this work done. Like, no, I'm gonna take my food into a coworker's office and bother him. Like, hey, let's take a break together. <laughs> I love, well, I mean, it's, it makes complete sense. It's your focus is, I mean, from a mental standpoint, we know we make better decisions earlier in the day than later in the day because of the mental exhaustion and the fatigue. And the more decisions you make, the more tired you get. Why wouldn't our focus be anything different? And just like going to the gym, like you got to have a rest day, you got to have recovery. You're not going in and training the same thing every day. You got to have that same intensity or intentionality, I should say, for your focus. Um, going through this process as you were writing the book, um, what was the one thing you learned the most about yourself? Uh, I learned that I still struggle with ex like this is how it is, right? Like, I mean, if you go back and look at it, uh, we are living a five day work week, 40 hours. I don't know if people know this, but it has nothing to do with science. Early or late 1800s, 80 to 100 hours a week was the standard work at work week. Uh, well, if you add in sleep time, there's not a lot of time to do anything else. Yep. Early 1900s come along and Henry Ford wants to sell motorized carriages and cars. You know who doesn't need cars? People who are going to work, coming home, walking home, sleeping, going back to work. So he actually created the weekend. He gave people an extra day off. So now they had two days off. And he said, I also don't want them burnt out going into the weekend. So I'm going to cap them at eight, eight hours a day. Not based on any science, just purely based on the idea that he wanted people to have desire to go somewhere else during the weekend so that people have to buy cars to drive there. He sold more cars and we have the 40 hour work week primarily because of him. Yet here we are, right? Uh, and so uh, the biggest thing I learned about myself is like, we have a hundred years of this is how it is. And especially me, like you're trained accountant, 80 hours a week is normal. Anything less than that makes you a lazy turd. It's like, yeah. no, I, I don't feel lazy. I just don't think it's sustainable. And again, studies show it's not sustainable. So that inner like turmoil of man i am really i don't want attention and i am acting different and i don't want to be different but 
I really believe that we need to be different and stop accepting it. That was the hardest part for me. I didn't realize it'd be that hard to fight off some of these things that we've just accepted, even though they're insane. Yeah. And to your point, you know, let's, let's think about average, right? And, and what we're most likely trained to do is, is what most people do, right? They train the masses to do it. But you look at the majority, and we'll say small business owners in, the, in this example, we know how many small businesses go out of business in the first year, five years, 10 years. We know how burnt out most business owners get, right? Because they want to launch their own business to have more control of their life, but they work way more hours doing way more work for way less pay, especially in the early on. And so, so you know, studies uh, would say, as well as just basic common sense, if you don't want the outcomes that most people have, you have to make the decisions most people don't. And to your point, like having hyper-focused control on when you're intentionally working, even making sure like, uh, I heard somebody put it the other day of like, even just like a little bit of work seven to you know days a week even if hey it's an hour you're still never giving your brain that full reset to you know pivot off and so that's kind of like for us like we talk weekend separate winners and i'm and i'm adamant like six days a week even if i'm only doing 20 minutes on saturday like i'm gonna have advantage over you over the course of the year but being intentional on sunday sunday am i just reading Am I prep for the week, like doing everything work-ish related on Friday, Saturday, so that Sunday is a reset day to give just even a full relaxation. Now we're talking about it in a, in a smaller sense, which as a kid with ADHD, I love this idea of, hey, three on one off. I mean, even probably within that, you've got the, you know, the Pomodoro technique and things like that, to where it's like, hey, I'm going to go 30 minute window. And then I'm going to do this quick reset for 10. And then I'm going to go 30 minute window and a quick reset for 10. And really blocking out your day like that in a calendar could make you vastly more productive based on the research you have and, and obviously the book you wrote. Yeah. And it's interesting you brought up the Pomodoro technique. Um, I talk about it and I like it. And if you do the math, it the his full four cycle, right? Because you go... 30 yeah. on or 25 on five off 25 on five off. You do that three times and then you take a longer 30 minute break. The math is about, uh, you know, the time that you're working, you're going to, he's asking you to take 30% of the time off the challenge with the Pomodoro, which, um, Cal Newport's book helps us understand is, is a challenge is like, if I'm in flow state and that timer goes off, I'm now just interrupted my flow state. Yep. So it's a little bit too rigid, which is why I liked to create the principle and say up to three hours, because we just need to be aware. Like I can go into an activity thinking like, I actually enjoy this, but maybe I'm 45 minutes in. I'm like, wow, for some reason, I'm just not, not as productive as I think I should be. Then there's no thing. This is like, I got to wait till the hour on the hour. Like, great. I'm going to stop this very second. I'm going to take 30% of the time. I just tried to focus and I'm going to take a little, a shorter break and then I'm going to get back at it. Like we just need to be aware because the break is really, it's so key. Having unstructured time to just let our brain reset. We come back with more energy and it's so much more sustainable. Okay. So as we wrap up, there's one point on this. So I want to talk about and, and get your opinion on is you kind of mentioned there, like, I'm just not, I'm not having that productivity. I'm not getting kind of that groove today as somebody who's written a couple of books as I have, like that's a grind. Like there's days you sit down at that computer and that blinking cursor, you just curse and you got to grind through writing something even for a little bit to 
to keep that thing moving. When do you know the difference between I'm stuck and I just, I got to work through this or I need to reset? Yeah, good question. So I think it's also important. I, so people don't are like, I am anti-hustle culture and the word grind. I know it, sometimes there's hustle and grind, but they are two different words, right? Yep. I think there's definitely like, there's going to be times we are human that uh, we need to get working and we're just not feeling it. Now, I would first say, if you have the luxury and ability to, there's a chance that you just need to take the day off. That, right? There's yep. One of the things I want about the 3.3 rule is like, look, I, I like having a defined weekend and I'm a big proponent of Sunday, no work ever. But if I'm in the middle of the week and, it, and I had the luxury, like I'd rather take a Wednesday or Thursday off and work Saturday. Um, that's totally okay. Now, if you don't have a lot that, less people on the golf course. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, it, if you don't have that luxury and you have a deadline you're up against, then that's where the 3.3 rule is going to help. You might have to change your natural flow of things and take shorter break, like work shorter, take breaks, um, or force yourself to get past that hump and grind through it and be like, okay, I struggled for 45 minutes, but now I am, I found the flow state. But I, I don't think there's a one solid answer there. I think we just need to give ourselves permission to have some flexibility in it, knowing that our need to grind sometimes as entrepreneurs, it's it's there and we're going to have to grind. Love it. Love it. No, but well, well said. I, I figured we were aligned on that um, traditionally too. I just wanted to hear your thoughts because we yeah. talked a lot about kind of that structure, but there's also like, you got to work through some of it. Like you're not going to love everything you do all the time, but it's still important to like set aside that time to do it. Just make sure you get the reset afterwards. All right, John, where can people listening who are like, I want to learn a little bit more. I want to figure out how I can apply this 3.3 into my work. Uh, where can we get the book? Where can we get connected with you? Yeah. So you can buy the book on Amazon, uh, the 3.3 rule by John Briggs, or you can go to 33rulebook.com. Uh, I, I wish I could put a point there, but the way internet addresses work it anyway. So three, three, so 33 rulebook.com. And part of the book, half of it is based on the idea. The rule itself is super simple to implement. And I really hope people try it out. Even if you think I'm an idiot, I'd love for you to provide data back to me and say, Hey, here's my data that says I'm not more productive following the rule. I, I'd love to see that, but you got to try it out in order to give me that data. Um, the other part, is now that I am focused, like I agree, I, I can see that I'm more productive focused during this time, how to make that time even more efficient. And so if you go to the 33rulebook.com, you'll see that there's a baseline, we call it a baseline. You can assess your business to see what areas maybe you could think about improving to make everything flow, like all the parts of your business work more cohesively together. Love it. Love it. So John, we've got both of those linked in the show notes for anybody listening. All you got to do is click right below. You'll go right to the website, get the book order, take the business assessment, which I saw on the website. I'm actually intrigued to go through myself. John, this has been fun. Thanks so much for coming back on the show. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Jake. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Compete Everyday Podcast. To get in touch with the team, drop us an email to podcast at competeeveryday.com. And to find out more about our resources, content, and gear that will help you build that winning mindset so you better compete for your best life, visit CompeteEveryday.com.